to You Got This, a podcast about teaching and learning and pivoting to digital for the whole TRU community. I'm your host, Brenna Clark-Gray, Coordinator of Educational Technologies, and this podcast is a project of your friends over at Learning Technology and Innovation. We're housed within open learning, but we support the whole campus community. I record this podcast in Tecumloops Te Swetmuk within the unceded traditional lands of Swetmukulu, where I hope to learn and grow in community with all of you. And today's episode is a little bit different. It's going to be less of my emoting, not no emoting, but less, <laughs> and more of a celebration of our upcoming programming for the summer term and some changes to our mighty team. Let's get into it. So you might recall that this time last year-ish, <laughs> we were unveiling our summer camp programming, which was a little bit half-cocked and ill-advised, but some of the most fun I've ever had in my professional life. Summer camp was great because we had so much content we needed to transmit to you, and we wanted to build a community of folks who felt comfortable sharing in a brand new and very unsettling task. This year, we want to keep the community feel, um, but move from transmitting information to workshopping and building together, which is really the stuff we love to do. In today's episode, you're going to hear little teaser bits of audio from each of us as we talk about the workshops that we have planned for you and what we hope you'll get out of them. It's an exciting year. You might not be aware, but our team is growing, has grown. Um, we've welcomed two new faculty coordinators to uh, the Learning Technology and Innovation team. One of them you know extremely well. Jamie Drosda will be moving into a new role as faculty coordinator, and we're also welcoming Jason Toll to the team in the same role. It's really exciting for us to feel like we have a complement of people who can help you with all kinds of things and enough person power <laughs> on the team that maybe we can be a little bit less reactive and more proactive in thinking about what ideal programming is going to look like for everyone. I am really excited. I have been looking forward to getting back to building and I've been looking forward to also finding the space and time to have some of the really good conversations that we all got to have last year as part of summer camp and the campfire chat series. So we're harnessing that spirit. We're welcoming the uncertainty we all have about next fall. And we're thinking about all the different ways that we can embed technology in our classrooms, whatever modality we find ourselves in now and into the future. A lot of the strategies we're going to talk about this summer are really about hmm, future-proofing, prepping, rethinking, reimagining what teaching can be and building on the skill set that you've spent this whole year honing. We really don't want you to feel like you're stuck in a series of webinars all summer <laughs> because we know you've done that a lot for the last year. But what we are offering are hands-on supported building time 
and a lot of creativity. A lot of the sessions this time around are really centered on getting creative. We've got stuff on video, visual art, moving past Moodle, building your dream course, perfecting a skill set. And then we've also got lots of opportunity to do some big thinking and professional development. We're borrowing the book club from Kelt for the summer, and we're doing a lot of lunchtime discussion about a whole bunch of different topics. So rather than me continuing to ramble, I'm going to hand this space over to my colleagues and have them and me <laughs> tell you about what we're so excited about this semester. So this is Jason Toll from Open Learning Educational Technology Coordinator. And I'm here today with my good pal, John Fulton. Hey, everybody. I'm John Fulton, video producer for Open Learning. Jason and I thought we should uh, make some more workshops for you guys to attend. It's going to be good. It's going to be a summer of inquiry. Summer of engagement. It's a summer of engagement and engagement <laughs> with video specifically, which is, um, which is the promo we're doing today. Exactly. So Jason, why do you think people should come to this, our workshops? Well, the main reason that I can see is that whether you've been teaching remotely for the past year or just getting started and going to be doing some sort of blended in the new year, video is going to become a more important part of your practice. Yeah, exactly. We've had a lot of... Um instructors over the last year working with video and have learned a lot. And we want to help you really ramp up that student engagement by using video and really help you plan ahead of time what you're going to do for your next semesters. Well, we've certainly seen a lot of, I guess, um, improvements as, as people have learned this new medium. So um, we're going to be able to show some stuff show what's worked, what hasn't worked, and why, why, you, why you would want to spend the time making videos in the first place. No, exactly, yeah. It, video, making videos for educational purposes takes some time and takes some planning. So we're going we're gonna to split it up into th three sections, right? We're going to make sure that uh, first you understand why you want to use your video in the first place. We want to have a lot of conversation with you about how best to utilize the video to engage with your students and get that that learning out to the students correctly and engage them properly. Well, I think you just summarized it perfectly. And um, I don't know if we should if we should sort of have any teasers as to the final session or not. But uh, there's many levels you can go to uh, when you're using video, and we're going to the highest one possible. <laughs> That's right. So yeah, we'll definitely we'll start off with uh, the very simple basics. And but we're going to go a deep dive into sharing your videos with the students, um, making sure that you you completely understand the best ways to share within Moodle and using Kaltura and just making sure that yeah, you do understand and are confident enough to make sure that your Moodle course looks the way you, you want it to look. So check out the schedule. Um, I believe there will be many websites and mail lists about our dates 
and the details for each of the sessions. We're going to have a lot of fun with these sessions. We're going to have a little bit of discussion, a lot of we want to hear from you. We're going to have some guest speakers. And uh, yeah, we'll just make it a summer of fun video work. So Jamie, we're doing a workshop together again. It's been a while. It sure has. (laughs) I'm excited. I'm excited too. So you pitched the idea of us doing uh, like get outside of Moodle, play with WordPress and Pressbooks. How come? What did you want people to get out of a session like this? Well, I think, well, I think I was thinking of the students mostly. Mm-hmm. They Moodle can be really boring. Um, I like to call it the scroll of death. There's not <laughs> much of a navigation system there. And if you take your content outside, Um, You can connect it to Moodle where it's important for assessment submissions, quizzes, or assignments, and use the gradebook in Moodle. But you can have your content outside in in WordPress or Pressbooks in a place where it's easy to navigate. It's open. It's easier for students to access. um, It's more fun and hopefully more fun for the faculty to use. And, you know, it's funny, now that everybody is relatively comfortable with Moodle, I would say we've seen a huge uptick in the number of questions that are like, okay, but how do I make my Moodle shell look good? And you can, but it's actually probably easier to have a nice aesthetic space using a tool like WordPress than it is with trying to do it with Moodle. It really is. But, you know, it's easier with with the themes that WordPress has um, you can quickly change the look and feel. And in Moodle, you have one look and that's it. Yeah. And the, the editor is a lot harder to use in Moodle than it is the one in WordPress is a lot easier. Um, I don't know. I'm excited for this. Yeah, I really am too. And I think it's, it's going to be fun because we're going to be talking about all kinds of different assignments that you could do with WordPress and Pressbooks. We're also going to talk about some other like professional applications for WordPress and Pressbooks. Like maybe you're trying to put together a dossier or a portfolio for yourself, for your own work. And uh, these tools might be a different way to approach it that you haven't considered before. So I, I'm excited too. I think it's going to be a lot of fun and really creative. I think so. I hope so. That's the goal. (laughs) So the way the workshop is set up is we'll have sort of two like introductory days the first week and then a more advanced day where we get into some deeper skills the second week. And then everybody will have a week to go away and play. Uh, And of course, we'll offer assistance where we can. Um, And then we'll do like a showcase of what everybody's learned during during the four sessions. So it's going to be kind of tight and compact. But the goal is that everybody leaves our workshop with something that they can take to class, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. A complete, a nice package. Yeah. We're big on, we're big on not wasting your time. <laughs> we yeah. know nobody has Very it. big on that. <laughs> awesome. So um, yeah, link in the show notes to all the registration information. This workshop's going to be June 8th, 9th, 15th, and 22nd. Thanks, Jamie. Great. Yeah. Thank you. Hey, Matt. So um, tell me about the Friday MOOC Club. Yeah, right. So uh, thanks for asking. So first of all, yeah, um, this is going to be uh, actually, it's being described. Um, you may have heard of uh, massive open online courses. This is actually being described uh, by the uh, folks who are putting it on, uh, Trent Online, as a medium-sized open online course. So uh, that's uh, a very, very important distinction. 
Um, and uh, I guess one of the things about it is that uh, whereas, you know, uh, these massive open forces tend to attract, you know, upwards of uh, tens of thousands of folks, if not more, uh, this is more, I guess, of a uh, grassroots professional development kind of initiative that's being run by Trent University Online in uh, Southern Ontario. And uh, it's being, I guess, uh, put on using Extend Ontario's uh, open courseware platform, um, some ed tech modules that uh, the provincial, uh, I guess, educational technology group, um, I believe there's an association there with eCampus Ontario. Um, and it's going to be a, a scaffolded learning experience, I guess you could say, um, where people who sign up for these uh, modules can complete uh, six different tracks, I guess. Um, they all kind of have different focuses. So you can sort of go uh, for a teacher or technologist or curator or collaborator or exper experimenter or scholar track. And uh, I believe that uh, although it sounds hierarchical, I think it's more of a focus, uh, a difference of focus with these, uh, you know, different tracks. And uh, for folks who complete all six, they can earn uh, an empowered educator micro-credential. Um, so the idea with this group uh, is that we'll just uh, meet, you know, every uh, couple of weeks and kind of discuss, kind of chat, kind of uh, go through it together. And everybody, uh, by nature of the endeavor, will be kind of doing it their own way. I was actually really excited when you pitched this, Matt, because um, this is the a brainchild of, of Terry Green and his team at Trent. And I really like the idea of a supported way to move through content. Like, we know the content's really good, but you know, you will know this better than anybody. This is your area of expertise, but MOOCs have a really poor completion rate, right? And so the idea of moving through it together as a supported group, I think, is a fantastic strategy. I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm going to sign up. Um, we're going to be having... Uh, four sessions, um, and the scaffolded, I guess, experience with Trent uh, and Extend Ontario, it does go until the 30th of June. So basically, beginning uh, the first week of May, uh, it goes online. We'll have our meetings sort of May and June, uh, and then at the end of June, you have, uh, I guess, to complete it uh, and get uh, whatever, you know, credential or, or uh, I guess, magic out of it. So, Yeah. Okay, so you might have heard a bit about H5P lately, or maybe you've heard a lot about H5P lately, and you're curious. Um, we're going to host an H5P building party this summer. It's just a one-off one day for about two hours. Um, and in this session, you'll learn a little bit about what H5P is, um, and then you'll have some time with the team with you to do some building and create some H5P resources. H5P allows you to create little formative, evaluative interactions for your students. It can be as simple as a wee small multiple choice quiz that they can take over and over to as complicated as, you know, a, a branching scenario or an interactive video. But what H5P allows you to do is just build a bit more interactivity into your course, particularly when students are working on concepts alone. It can be really useful as we start to think about um, integrating back into the classroom and thinking about how we're going to accommodate students who aren't there with us. And it's just kind of a lot of fun. If you're comfortable filling in a web form, you too can make an H5P interactive. 
there'll be in the show notes some links to what H5P is and why you might be interested in it. Um, but I hope you'll come out. The session's going to be on June 1st from 12 to 2. Bring your lunch, learn a little bit of something new, and you'll leave the workshop, I promise you, with two interactive activities you can put right into your course straight away. Hey, Brian, tell me about Let's Build It. So this is something a little different. Uh, it's not going to be your typical kind of presentation slash discussion type of uh, online session. Uh, it's really meant to be kind of an applied cohort to develop our projects together. So every year we have faculty asking, uh, you know, hey, I was, I was interested in a, doing a mapping project for my course, or I would like to do e-portfolios with my students, or I have this research project and it's got a knowledge mobilization div- uh, dimension. Can you help me build it? And I thought instead of kind of doing these projects in a one-off sort of way, I was trying to think about ways we can support these things better. And also we do have a very limited amount of uh, time from developers on our team uh, and how to kind of allocate that work most effectively uh, and efficiently and make it available to more people, but in a way too that uses the time and expertise of these people more effectively. So I think what we're hoping to do is to essentially create a four Uh, week program over six weeks, where what we're going to do is essentially scope out and kind of figure out what these projects are going to look like, uh, select the technology we want to use. I think in most cases, WordPress will be the platform, but maybe in some cases, something else will be better. Maybe it'd be something like Kaltura, maybe something else entirely. And then uh, in, in kind of multiple stages, have discussions where we talk about, you know, what is possible? Uh, working together to scope out and plan the project, um, getting to some kind of very basic prototype and understanding what kind of skills and development would be needed. And at this point, it'll be late May. And if at this point we are able to identify where some specialized expertise, like maybe a web designer or instructional designer, uh, should review and give some feedback, maybe there's a multimedia media develop, uh, dimension, uh, maybe John could help with some video. Hopefully at this point, we would have enough time to kind of get that into the pipeline where that sort of work could potentially be available uh, by fall so that we're, you know, respecting and using the time of those people, uh, you know, effectively because we're not giving them some wide, (laughs) undefined project idea. Uh, Hopefully we're giving them a fairly specific request and and are able to work with whatever they give and not expecting them to do every single piece of it. Uh, so that's kind of the goal is essentially to do the kind of work we do in projects, and but to apply some of the lessons we've learned about when a project tends to develop well <laughs> and efficiently and have a good outcome and try to avoid some of the things that sometimes result in a either a disappointing uh, result or more likely a chaotic development project, which is more stressful. So we're trying to reduce stress and improve outcomes and hopefully learn together. I like this because, uh, and in general with the summer programming this year, you know, last year we just had so much information to impart and it was a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun at summer camp last summer, but this summer I'm really seeing that transition towards building things in, in our programming. So this is like kind of the centerpiece of the, the building things experience, but all summer long we're going to be um, helping folks bring ideas to fruition. And I'm excited about that. It's, it's, it'll be nice to be in that space again. I'm really liking the range of uh, offerings too. And I am hoping that maybe some of what people see with other types of programming will get them thinking about the kind of things they might want to do and build. And then that the build it thing uh, would be more, like I said, kind of more like a a supported cohort um, where 
you know, we can efficiently get people the help they need when they need it early in the development process. And also, you know, uh, get feedback from colleagues as well is my hope. Okay, so Let's Build It starts on the 19th and there'll be some supported time and also some sort of working time. And then by the 30th of June, folks should have a really good sense of their scope and what they're doing, right? Yeah, I think the idea is we'll do three sessions once a week uh, and then there'll be a break uh, to hopefully go off and, and make progress on the things that have been scoped out and planned and and then come back with wherever we're at at the end of June and do some peer feedback and kind of identify whether the plans we've made are actually sending us in the right direction or whether a course correction is, is required. It's been known to happen. Perfect. This sounds like fun. Thanks so much, Brian. Thank you. Okay, Matt. So you are telling me you have not yet had enough of Moodle. We are doing a spring Moodle Institute. Can you tell me about it? Haven't, you're right. I haven't had enough of Moodle. I <laughs> can't get enough of Moodle. Um, and, you know, non-facetiously, non-ironically, um, I have actually really grown to appreciate uh, the stability and yet uh, the uh, benefits and creativity which uh, abound uh, in uh, a really thoughtfully designed learning platform. Um, so, you know, um, we're going to be having a Spring Institute. Uh, it's going to be uh, Tuesdays, May 11, 18, uh, and, then in fr- and then a couple more weeks in June uh, on the 4th and the 18th. Uh, so four sessions in all. And uh, it's not like a full-on institute. It's an uh, hour and a half per session. And uh, we would encourage people to sign up for one of them or to sign up for all of them. And what we're sort of trying to cover is the spread between new uh, or experienced users, I suppose. We're trying to make it so that uh, whatever your level with Moodle, whatever your experience, uh, you can come in and get something out of it. So we'll spend a bit of time initially covering some of the basics you know, just getting started, perhaps you're a new faculty member or somebody who didn't really get that much use from it so far. Um, So just uh, some really basics on how to add activities and resources. Um, And then by the second session, we'll be maybe moving on to more intermediate kind of steps, more to do with evaluation and assessment. The grade book is always considered kind of a sticky point with Moodle, but uh, actually if you're sort of following the, the defaults, or even some of the, uh, I guess, customized options within that, it is fairly straightforward. Um, I'm not going to say it's uh, necessarily intuitive, <laughs> but it's it doesn't have to be super complicated either. So we're going to hopefully bring out uh, some, bring down uh, some level of, uh, you know, concern about some of these, uh, I guess, evaluation and assessment features. And uh, I dare say that we may get into what I would consider some of the uh, fun elements within Moodle, which is to say, at least from my standpoint, using things like Cultura Media, uh, web conferencing with Big Blue Button, and uh, I guess perhaps most especially H5P interactions, which is some really uh, dynamic, engaging, user-friendly learning software, uh, which has now been uh, recently added to Moodle Core. Um, And you can actually export those interactions outside of Moodle if you're so inclined. Um, And I guess the whole focus of this really is going to be on uh, finding ways that Moodle can be personalized towards your specific interest, your specific teaching purpose. Um, And uh, yeah, I should also, I'd be remiss, I'd be remiss if I failed to mention 
that uh, I'll be joined. Um, my my uh, much esteemed co-facilitator, Jason Toll, uh, our latest addition to the EdTech Coordinator uh, cohort, will be joining us. Uh, so, I mean, definitely come for the Moodle, but uh, you might want to come and meet Jason too, uh, which is going to be awesome. Hey folks, um, so if you enjoyed summer camp with me or the campfire chats that we did last August where we got to get into some really, I don't know, thoughtful questions about teaching and learning, the equivalent of that for this year's programming is something we're calling post-pandemic pedagogies. It's going to be every Thursday at lunchtime starting in the middle of May. Um, and the idea behind these is to start to think about a couple of things. Number one, What's teaching going to look like as we start to get a sense of the return to campus plan? What can we plan for? Um, what will it look like to accommodate students in a post-pandemic world? Um, how might we integrate some of what we've learned in the last year back into our face-to-face -face teaching? And also, I think really importantly, how do we talk about the year that just passed in things like our teaching philosophies, our portfolios, our APARs. Um, we've worked really hard for the last year. And for many of us, I think our approach to teaching and learning has changed in really significant ways. And it's sort of tempting to call the last year a bit of a lost year, but I don't want us to do that. I want us to instead really think about how we conceive of ourselves as teachers now after everything we've been through. So it's really all about thinking about how technology changed our experience of teaching, what we want to keep, what we want to let go of, and how it fits for us in the future, or maybe doesn't fit. That's okay too. Figuring out what we're going to shed is important as well. But really, I want to find a way to integrate the year that we've had in with our identities as teachers and as learners as we move forward. And yeah, some practical benefits around like documenting our new skill sets, those kinds of things. So um, join me Thursdays at lunchtime for post-pandemic pedagogies. Bring a lunch, be ready to chat, be ready to be open, or just be ready to listen. And each week I'm going to try to provide you with some really concrete reflective exercises that will hopefully work towards that dreaded APAR submission at the end of June. <laughs> Looking forward to seeing you all there. Matt, we stole the book club from Kelt and we're not giving it back. What are we doing with it this summer? Well, we're holding it gently in our hands uh, and we're trying to make it low intensity. And, uh, you know, Brenna uh, and anybody who's been to the latest offering, the sort of shared LTI Kelp offering, I think one of the things that I personally took away from that was that uh, people like the smaller chapters, people like the ability to drop in and uh, people like, you know, the free OER-esque kind of uh, approach to getting at it. So what we're doing now is we're kind of, you know, we, we've got a lot of PD on the go um, across our group and uh, Kelp is offering some absolutely amazing stuff as well. Um, and we don't uh, want people to feel too rushed. We want people to, I dare say, feel uh, chill if they possibly can about some of this. So <laughs> consider this, consider this your summer beach read. Consider this your, your uh, you know, putting up your feet in a lawn chair uh, wherever you happen to be with your uh, mobile device of choice, uh, taking a spot in the shade or, uh, you know, in the sun and uh, 
This is actually called the Totally Chill Summer Technology Book Club, which may be my uh, favorite name for a PD offering that I've been involved in since arriving <laughs> at TRU. Um, like yeah, well, it's uh, trying to trying to capture the uh, the summeriness of it. So. Um, what we're looking to do is uh, just basically get into the, uh, a really excellent book. And uh, this is funny because uh, I just learned today that Brenna has had a uh, part in this book. And I, myself, I think I can say this now, had a part in this book too. Um, nice. it's, yeah, it's 25 Years of Ed Tech by Dr. Martin Weller of the Open University. And absolutely, um, well, he's, he's a giant of uh, open education. I think I can actually say that. Um, mm -hmm. And... He's just, you know, done so much in terms of his practice and scholarship and his book, 25 Years of Ed Tech, um, are some really just bite-sized reflections on 25 different uh, ed tech formats that have uh, come and in some cases gone over the years. And uh, what's really cool about this is that, uh, you know, uh, first of all, it's a free PDF. You can get it from Athabasca University Press by clicking on the links and um, the Open Ed Tech Co-op. As, uh, it's an audio book. It's a podcast. It's um, and our own uh, esteemed uh, Dr. Uh, Brenna Clark Gray has uh, narrated. It's it's the chapter on analytics, right, Brenna? Yeah, everybody knows how much I love learning analytics, so well, I, I yeah. went ahead and did the chapter. Yeah, and I was uh, one of the anonymous peer reviewers for the manuscript when this manuscript. Fantastic. Was, yeah, so um, you know, I, I think I can say that now. The book is out there in the world. Um, so well, I can I can definitely tell you that however you choose to read this, uh, whether you know uh, through the podcast or through the uh, through the uh, book, you know the ebook, uh, it's going to be super engaging, super fun, uh, and we're just hoping that uh, you know some some folks will uh, join us, pull up a towel, pull up a, uh, a lawn chair, or somewhere on their patio, and uh, just kind of keep the uh, the thinking on this going without feeling like it's too much of a super intense uh, PD commitment or anything like that. It's really more meant to be just uh, a discussion with some of your, uh, some of your favorite uh, people on campus. Hey folks, this is Jason Toll here, EdTech coordinator from Open Learning. Hey Jason, what's your favorite color? Well, Marie, I'm going to have to say green. And do you know why? Why? Because I like the forest and I associate green with the forest. Oh, that's lovely. Forests are so relaxing. Well, I am Marie Bartlett. I am an instructional designer in open learning. And Marie, what is your favorite color? Funny you ask. It's orange. It's because it's so energetic, bright, and citrusy. Mm -hmm. Well, these are some interesting questions we're discussing, and I believe they will tie in very nicely to our upcoming studio series. Should we tell the folks about it? Yes, it's so exciting. It's called Visualize This, because it's all about the visual world. It's about what we see. It's, um, it's how we interact with the environment that we see that we want to focus on, right, Jason? I agree. And now, why do you think this session, Visualize This, is going to be different from the average workshop this summer? Well, it's really going to be based in the studio setting, Jason. I really 
uh, see that we are going to have a space, whatever it may look like, online or a physical space where we'll have music. We'll let the creativity shine that we all have. We all have it through. Yes. And we will be talking about things that we see and we will be focusing on the visual. So not that we want to not focus on non-visual things they will be they will be coming in there but our focus will be coming into the visual making things hands-on uh studio uh topics that we will be pursuing together and in an academic context which as you know there's a wide variety of applications for visuals Yes, yes, students. Yes, students understand visual communication. They expect to see things at this day and age, where you know it's video. It's there's so much visual content coming at us all the time. They do expect that in the academic setting. It's a it's a medium that they understand. Um, now, Jason, tell me, do you have to be an artist to take this workshop? That's an excellent question, Marie, and thanks for asking. And the answer is no. In short. One of the things that um, is a natural ability for most people is the ability to draw. And people think, oh, I am not an artist. I haven't been to art school. But if you are able to write your name, you are able to draw to the level that we will be needing for this session. And that's a quote from Linda Berry, by the way, who's one of our inspirations in development of this series. Ooh, exciting, Jason. I can hardly wait. Me either. When is this happening? When is this happening? Well, we have some dates coming up in the calendar. So I believe they will be on the, um, you know, some calendar. We're probably going to edit this part out of the conversation, but... So that is it for episode 27 of You Got This. As always, if you want to write to us, you can email me. I'm bgray at tru.ca, and I'm also on Twitter at Brenna C. Gray. And in both cases, that's gray with an A. All of our show notes and transcripts are posted at yougotthis.truebox.ca. And of course, you can always comment on individual episodes there. So this is the programming for the term. And I hope that you'll also stay tuned for some exciting conversations about how we make sense of this. By which I mean, you really liked the badges last summer, right? Well, stay tuned. (laughs) I'm going to leave you today with a tiny teaching tip. And my tiny teaching tip is self-serving. I hope you'll take a look at some professional development offerings this summer. I know we're all feeling really burnt out and prioritize rest. Of course, please, you know, that's my motto, prioritize rest. But in addition to rest, I hope you can find some opportunities to get yourself excited about your teaching and learning practice again. It's been a really rough year and I'm finding that turning my focus to building with this new workshop suite instead of just reacting has been really helpful for my mental health and for my level of excitement about my work. So I hope you can find something like that for you. It may not be in our suite of offerings. It may be something that Kelt is up to. It may be an opportunity you hear about at another institution. Whatever it is, find it. 
and see if some PD this summer can help you reignite that spark. But I do still want you to rest. And speaking of rest, I am actually taking this week off. By the time this flows into your earphones, I am hoping that I have set my vacation away email and am no longer checking in, um, which means no podcast next week. But I will be back with a brand new episode on the 17th. And I hope I'll see you at some of our programming starting the week of the 10th. Take care, everybody. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye.